Hi, it's Shelley Flett, and I'm so excited that you're joining me to listen to the Dynamic Leader podcast. The podcast is centered around my book, The Dynamic Leader, and includes reading of the chapters, along with interviews with leaders in a number of different industries. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to get yourself a copy of The Dynamic Leader, either online through booktopia.com or at any good bookstore. I'm passionate about creating the next generation of dynamic leaders and sharing tools and experiences that can completely transform an individual, a team, or a whole organization. I ask that you listen with curiosity and be open to taking on different perspectives. I hope you enjoy. Welcome back again to another episode of the Dynamic Leader podcast. It's great to have you all join us again. We're getting to the end of the book. It's a little bit sad, um, but we are in the final stages. We're in the final chapters. Um, and today uh, I'm super excited to have um, a, an amazing leader join us, Justine Tegelove, um, who was the CEO of Rodine, um, but she's so much more than that. Um, she's the founder or the co-founder of Building Common, um, but just does amazing things. So thanks for joining us, Jab. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, so let's kick it off. I mean, leadership, what does leadership mean to you? um in in today's environment or even in the environment when you first joined the workforce um leadership to me is actually not about you so i, I guess my way of thinking about leadership is is how do i help others move forward how do i help others grow um how do i help others uh, work towards a, a common goal um but yeah so leadership to me is actually not about you at all and it can come in different forms. It can come as a parent, it can come as a friend, it can come in the workplace. So, yeah, so I guess that's in a very basic nutshell of what I think of leadership. How did you learn that? Life. Life lessons. And so, yeah. like, adolescence um, or before that or, like, where did you learn that it wasn't about you? Because I remember growing up thinking everything was about me. <laughs> Oh, look, don't get me wrong. I was still as good as selfish as the next teenager. Um, probably actually in my teenage years, um, I, I was asked to do a leadership program. And back, there, back then it was an outdoor education program. And I was not interested in the leadership part. It was just, it was like, okay, so I'm going to be outdoor going canoeing, kayaking. Well, that sounds like more like, cup, you know, a cup of tea. But from there, I re realised, because it was an outdoor education program, that um, for us to get literally in our canoe and go down the river, it wasn't just about one individual, it was actually about a whole lot, lot of us had to work as a team. And then it was sort of a light bulb moment when, oh, okay, that's what leadership is about, is how do I get from us from the beginning of the river down the river? And if I'm at the back of the canoe, how do I instruct everybody else to get us down there? Um, so that's probably was the life um, light bulb moment for me then. It was like, oh, okay, so it's actually not about me. It's about everybody else. And it was in a fun environment. So it was a great way to learn what leadership was about. Yeah. <laughs> did, you, um, did you have to sink a couple of canoes before you were like, oh. <laughs> I didn't sink any, but maybe we had multiple that cap capsized. And the funny thing is back there, well, even still, you have these drums that have all of your clothes and everything in it. So maybe we were at the top of the river but our drums and everything were floating down the river so i might have failed in my first few lessons of leadership which was i will just yell commands whether you can hear it or understand it i don't care <laughs> and I very quickly was okay so yelling loud does not work <laughs> <laughs> 
It's, it's actually funny because when you yell loud, it's and particularly when you're yelling loud to move people to action, it's interesting because yelling loud will actually force people to freeze a lot of the time. Correct, yeah. And it, the message that you're trying to portray to them gets totally lost. All they hear is this very loud noise. It's like background noise um, mm. and whatever you may have possibly to say. It's a bit like when, <laughs> when I had to get a really profound message through to my children, let's put in brackets, discipline them really hard. <laughs> it was the quieter I got, the quieter I got and very clearly <laughs> then they understood it very quickly. If I just yelled and screamed, it was like, oh yeah, whatever. Um, so it's kind of the same theory. The louder you, you yell and scream or the louder the message is, often loses its impact and you lose your audience. Do you think that that is counterintuitive or have, were we conditioned differently to today? Like, I think, you know, I think, I think I want to get something across. There's this, there's this energy that builds up in my stomach, kind of rises up and it comes out as a yell or a scream. <laughs> um, look, I think probably because, you know, you get so excited by your own message you want to say, you know, you come, oh, look, I've got this, you know, this is going to happen. Yeah. And I think it does at times you get into that euphoric stage of like, this is great guys. Come on, come on, let's go. And particularly when I was CEO, I would have this great brain fart idea. I'm like, everyone, let's get on board. Let's go, go, go. Um, so I guess in some way, yes, it is. Definitely with age and experience, I've learned that, yes, I can have that energy, but how do I put that in, in a different format to actually get people moving? And me getting louder isn't it, but me sort of having a buoyant, I guess, energy is a positive one that you're going to get them moving. But uh, yeah, so I guess in some ways it can be. Mm. Um, but experience for me taught that, you know, here I was at whatever teenage year I was in the back of the canoe, just screaming my heart out. Um, and then over the years, you sort of learn very quickly, okay, well, that's probably not the best approach. Mm. Mm. I love the way you approach And I think also too, sorry to interrupt, I think also too, when you're yelling the loudest, you're not with the team. Mm. That's you. That's you and your ego saying, I have got something to say. It's the most important. It's the way we're going to go. So you all need to listen to me. So when you get into that moment and that comes from experiences, that's not about a team. That's about you. Well, that's what I've found anyway, my own mm. experience. Hmm. That's, that's what um that's where you get the eye rolls and the yeah yeah exactly. humorous yeah, yeah um, or I, like... I just get the shut the up <laughs> <laughs> which i think a lot of that comes down to to trust and you know it's your your authenticity your ability to just be real um has always um really inspired me um it's an interesting one, authenticity, isn't it? Because I guess it's one of those things that gets tossed around like confetti. And the word is, you know, everyone's throwing it around. But it, it's a really, it's a really a, quite a complex thing um, in some degree. But in some ways, and I'm going to sound a bit silly, it's so simple. Because at the end of the day, if you know yourself well, then you're going to be authentic. And everybody knows when you're, when you're not. Um, you know, we all have been around people who just doesn't sit right or doesn't feel comfortable. You know that it's not authentic. And it's consistent. If you truly are being who you are, you will be the same. You know, I call it the bees. I'll be the same in the bedroom. I'll be the same in the boardroom. I'll be the same at the beach. Um, you know, you're consistent. So anyway, that's my so thought. So as, as, as teenagers, I don't know you've got teenagers or even probably. Well, the adults. Sorry, no, the 21-year-old at night. Jeez, don't call them a teenager. <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah. So, I mean, this being authentic, like, finding your identity when for I know for me when I was going through school it was just this it was really foggy I, I actually morphed into a, a lot of different personas throughout 
my years at school and it, and then just continued to morph when I was, when I entered the workforce and I probably did that for 20 years. Mm. Um, and I think you lose your ability to find out like what does, I, I think I'm still questioning. I'm like, I don't, what, what is that? What is authentic Shelley? I know authentic Shelley likes to have fun, but aside from that, yeah, I think I think I look at <clears throat> sort of your authenticity is I guess your your microchips, you know, like your core beliefs, because the rest will slightly change depending on what you're doing and your family situation, your work and things like that. So it slightly changes, but I guess the fundamentals of core of who you are as a person and how you value yourself in, in the world and things like that, I think they pretty much stay the same. <clears throat> so in that sense, you know, um, you, you're talking about your fun, well, that, that's probably a core belief of who you are, you know. Having fun is a really important part of your life, same with me. So I think, the yeah, for me, that authenticity is, is those fundamentals, those cores of who you are, your microchips of who you are as a person. Mm. Um, and I, I, when the kids were younger, we, we equated to the pot of gold. Like everybody has a pot of gold. Your pot of gold's been different than mine. It's still valuable, but it's different. It's actually, you know, understanding what your pot of gold is and then who you share that pot of gold with. So, yeah. Hmm. And so um, I'm, I'm tipping that your kids have entered the, the workforce and the world a whole lot differently to what you would have and I would have, you know, a few decades ago. I th- yeah, well, I, I hope I hope they have differently to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, they definitely understand the values as themselves. I guess as you know, their own pot of gold, and as young emerging adults, um, and they really don't feel that they have anything to prove. They're very comfortable within the skills. They know that they don't know everything, um, and they're okay with that. But yeah, I think that overall, that they're very comfortable, confident young individuals. Um, so I guess. Yeah, hopefully we've done a good job. Yeah, I think I think in my theory is I average my parenting. So I work out if I'm doing a B plus over the year, yeah, I'm doing okay. Some days I'm going to get a fail. Sometimes sometimes I need to get an A plus. But if you average it out over a year, if I kind of can get about a B plus. Yeah, that's pretty good. I <laughs> so. love that. It, that takes a bit of pressure off too, doesn't it? Of course, you know, because it's yeah. Look, you know, there are some days I'm like, yep, you know, particularly when they were younger, it's like, oh, that was an A plus move. Like, oh, I handled that beautifully. And there are days I thought, yep, you have failed that, you know, terribly. But if I average it out over the year, if I'm sort of sitting around a B plus, then yeah, then I've done well. And it's different now too, because now I'm really just a consultant for them. They sort of tap in and sort of ask, I guess, advice more so mm-hmm. than I don't manage their life or anything like that anymore because they're adults. But yeah. yeah. So, um, so you started your career in nursing, that's right? Is that I right? did, I did, yes, and I did start it back in the woof, long, 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 over 30 years ago in nursing and did psych, uh, specialised in psych nursing. And then you took that to the construction industry. <laughs> <laughs> Who would ever have known you needed such skills? <laughs> I did, I did. So funny, I mean, I went into psych nursing um, not because I felt that I had a lot to offer in healthcare back then. Back then it was actually hospital-based, so you got paid by the government. So I truly went in there because I was going to get paid. Uh, let's be honest, I was a young 19-year-old who had been moving and travelling around, got back to Western Australia, thought, right, I need to knuckle down and do something. Someone said to me, oh, do you know that West Australian School of Nursing having a nurse intake? I said, why would I want to be a nurse? They said, you get paid. I said, well, I've always been very caring. <laughs> so, so I got into nursing. 
unbeknown to me, I would actually love what I was doing and fall on my feet and have a wonderful career in that area. Um, and I worked in forensics, worked in multiple different areas, large institutions. And my last job was managing a uh, eating disorder clinic at a private hospital. So I worked in a whole lot of different areas. But yeah, the I guess the the reason why I went into the career was not because I felt I was going to be wonderful in healthcare. It was truly because I was going to get paid. So yeah, it's interesting how how many people I talk to who um, you know I started here to pay my way through university and then I never left. Um, I love that. I love how you know it's just one thing that can cause you to go into something and then you know what you make out of it. Um, yeah, definitely serve you. So so how has your um, how did that then translate to working in construction. I mean, I, I would imagine that um, a lot of the skills that you learnt in your early career served you later in your career. For sure. So when, when I first, particularly in, in psych, so I'd worked with a multidisciplinary, multi-gender. Um, so in psych particularly, you know, about 50-50 male and females and, and multidisciplinary. And I worked with um, multiple levels of different people with skill. Communication skills obviously was a, a major factor in uh, psych. Um, learning to actually understand where I was going to exert my energy and where times would be needed to basically sit back. Um, so, for example, sometimes when I was working in a lock-up ward or forensic, there were times when I really needed to be sitting right back and then times to intervene. Um, so picking the things, well, but I would say picking the things that really matter. Um, understanding too that sometimes you need to be the person at the back of the room to be able to get the best out of the people in the front of the room. So um, that was also a very good skill. Communication was the big one. And now in construction communication, I guess generally isn't, um, a, a, uh, what would you say, something that it's well known for. And, um, so I guess the major one was definitely communication. Uh, what else can I think of that I learned over the years was um, resilience. I didn't take uh, a lot of things that happened in the, particularly when we first started in construction, it's a male-dominated industry. I didn't take a lot of it to heart. And I used it actually as an opportunity to educate um, because a lot of the males that I would come across hadn't necessarily met a female who was a CEO in construction. Did I think that they were being derogatory towards me because I was a female? Not necessarily. It was literally they hadn't visibly seen one. Never mm. So I used that as an opportunity to say, look, you know, here I am. This is what I do. So if they went home, they talked to their wives, their daughters, their nieces, their aunts, whoever it may be. And all of a sudden, you know, there's a positive conversation that comes from that. Mm. Um, but, yeah, no, definitely psych, psych skills came into place. That's for sure. Um, yeah. One of the um, one of the things that I see separate, you know, really great leaders from those that are potentially struggling a little bit is their awareness and their ability to read the room. So I love I love how you say communication because um, it's the two way communication. It's you know being able to say or, or do something, but then checking for response and checking for uh, has it landed or do I need to change my approach or you know how to. Yeah. Does your background, did that give you a little bit of a head start in that respect as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we've all heard about what effective listening is. Literally shut your mouth down on your ears. So when I was working in psych, yes, we were using effective listening always. So when I look at my experience in the construction effective listening, I would sometimes, I was more powerful by saying nothing. And, and letting the room or the boardroom or the team doesn't really matter actually come up with the, the, the solution or the resolution themselves and maybe a few little guidance here and there but actually sometimes the best thing I could do was be quiet listen 
um, hear what's actually being say, said, um, but guiding them sometimes in a way that they could actually come up with a solution. The me sort of coming in again, that back of the yacht, back of the canoe, you know, yelling and screaming at them. Um, so probably the big one was actually learning that effective listening, that sometimes mm. communication is better sometimes when you're quiet. Mm. Did you ever get yelled and screamed at? In construction or psych? Oh, both, always. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest, people. Yeah. Um, in psych, not by my, um, well, back then by, you know, your head of nursing or superior, not necessarily, but in psych, yeah, you know, some of the patients and things like that, for sure. You know, some of them are very mentally unwell. Um, in roading, no. I mean, I was the CEO, so no, I, I didn't get yelled at. Not only was the CEO, I owned the company, so there was a level mm. of respect there. Um, so no, not, not in, not in roading. Um, yeah. Nice. I, I always think of, um, you know, trades as being quite uh, en energised, almost like the yell and scream, get the drums before they go away. Yeah, look, <laughs> if you ask my site guys, yeah, I'm sure that there were, you know, oh, well, I do know that there were you know, incidences where I would say that there was a robust conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, but was I ever yelled at by any of my employees or subcontractors? No, no. But there, there was... Um, there is a level, and you know, I really got a credit to you know the, the guys in my team, guys, males and females, that there was a real level of respect for the role that I that I played um, and that I did within the company. Um, and I never yelled and screamed. So you set the benchmark. You know, if I, I never walked into a room and yelled and screamed, I never went out on site and yelled and screamed. And as far as I was concerned, when I went out on site, I wasn't actually the boss. The site manager was. Um, so mm. it starts from the top. If you're, and you know, one of the leaders that yells and screams, well, don't be surprised if the rest of the people underneath you continue that behaviour. So no, mm. I didn't yell or scream, so therefore I never yelled or screamed at. And isn't um, modelling one of the best ways to learn? Is we look to, you know, we hear you can be inducted into an organisation, and I remember this, you know, myself, but also people that I'd inducted is you can induct them with all of the theory and the tools and the processes and the documentation that you want. Um, but once that's all said and done, um, they're watching you and Correct. You they're going model. Yeah, exactly. You, you can have, as you said, you can have the most fantastic documents, but if it's not shown out on, in saying construction out on site, it means nothing. And that feeds into the culture that you have. And then exactly that, it, it's the modelling. So, and there's that authenticity. It's all well and good to say we've got this wonderful document and this is how we are and this is our visions and everything. But if you don't, that's not how you conduct yourself actually on site or in your workplace, then there's no sort of genuineness between the two and there there's authenticity gets lost. Mm. Um, so yeah, it has to be, it has to be shown by what you actually do uh, not mm. by on a piece of paper. And then I've also found that, you know, particularly in our team at Rodane, they end up becoming a biggest ambassador. They ensure that, that continues and that role modeling continues because it's also in mind with who they are as people. So we've recruited people that their core values are the same as what our company is. Mm because then you have that consistency all the way through and we've all been in a job where you sort of like where you are but there's some fundamentals about the way that they operate just doesn't sit, sit comfortably um and the likelihood is you know you won't stay at the place like that because it's not who you are as a person so recruiting the right people that have those core values that align with your company means that that, that they will role the role model that you're mm -hmm. to achieve you know, and the missions yeah. and lots of stuff mm. absolutely so a little bit of calibration is required every now and then for 
um, you know, leaders and business owners um, in general around that. Yeah. Um, hey, tell me, you you mentioned, you know, B plus average for leadership. Does that for parenting? Does that apply to the workplace as well? Did you did you did you aim for a B plus with um, Rodine, or were you more aiming for it? No, this has got to be A plus. Um, yeah, I'm going to be honest. I would have said a B plus still. Okay. Um, and the reason I say that, because if I'm operating it as a, you know, let's say B plus, um, then like, then hopefully I will also have got people who have been doing A pluses and things like that. So here's my theory is I can operate a B plus, but I'm going to get A people around me all the time. And that will probably operate at a higher, higher level than I was. I was often not the smartest person in the room. I was often not the most skilled in some areas in the room, but I made sure I had the A plus people. But no, I think sometimes at Rodan I would have still been operating in the B plus. Maybe I'm underselling myself there. Um, yeah. And so the times where you kind of went, mm, that didn't go well. How did you how did you approach that? What was your what was your approach? Because one of the things I talk about is transparency and being open and that kind of thing. How do you, how did you do that? What was your approach? Um, so there were a few. There was multiple. So I would literally do a lot of self reflection. Say, okay, well, where did I absolutely fuck that up basically and, and what could I have done better two is go to my team and apologize and actually say mm. look mm, I probably shouldn't have done it this way or you suggested that we do this and I didn't go ahead with it and it probably was the right strategy we should have gone with so you know be trans and apologize we're all human we make mistakes um and I've also done had team actually give me reviews um but here's the kicker on that you have to have a good relationship with your staff for them to actually give you a true honest review and you have to actually cop it and if there are any suggestions, you have to do something about it. Otherwise, why would your you know, staff give you a review? They're like, no, what's kind of, what's the point? Yeah. Um, so there are three parts. One is really looking at myself and saying, okay, well, what did I do? What could I have done better? Two is actually being transparent and apologising if it's necessary or acknowledging where it went wrong, where are the decisions that I've made went wrong. Um, and yeah, getting their feedback, getting them to give you a 360. So I've done that before. Hmm. And do you find, one of the things that I find, and this is a little bit off track, but 360s tend to be, you, you, you can get, you know, the, this whole keyboard warrior. And I mean, people are saying what they, what they think and what they feel, but the anonymity makes it really hard as a leader to then translate. Did you find anything? Um, so I, so they, so they, my 360s were actually, um, I would randomly pick staff and I actually knew who they were. And sometimes it doesn't have to be in a written format. It could be a discussion perfect but again the other thing is you have to be prepared they have to feel that what you're they're going to say is going to be listened to that you will actually take on board the suggestions that they have and if there are anything that you will actually act on them as well otherwise you totally again you lose that trust you're not authentic. it's all well and good to say i'm one of these leaders i'm open here let's work as a team but just don't say anything i don't really like don't give me any suggestions that i'm really going to have to put in place then what's the point? Like, why would they come forward at all? And more importantly, again, you're just not in line with being authentic. So, so no, sometimes it would actually be people um, that I would just randomly select and I would tell them I'd randomly select them and I want them to be honest. And the feedback they gave was great, you know, and, um, and also sometimes it's been written, sometimes it's been face-to-face -face discussion and very casual. I don't bring them in the office and say, come in, and I'll sit behind my desk and you sit over there. I will go to their workplace sometimes. Yeah. I've met in a you know, a cafe or whatever it is and it's actually been a discussion and I've written notes about myself yeah so great it's less intimidating for them as as possible because at the end of the day I'm actually wanting to better myself and you again you can't do performance appraisals and things like that if you're not doing it on yourself um 
So, yeah. yeah. Do you yeah. know of any of your leaders that then took that approach with their staff and did the same? Yeah. Yeah. So it actually went through the, through the managerial uh, staff as well. Yep. That's fabulous. I love that. I, you know, someone says 360 to me and a little part of me kind of just goes, Oh, I'm not sure. I don't like the anonymity of it. It's yeah. Look, you know, I guess that's probably a good HR term or whatever you want to, the term for it. I mean, to me, it's basically good, honest feedback. Yeah. Um, and from, I think from everyone. Yeah. So I, I had people, so I actually had, when I would randomly pick people, I'd have some people who directly worked with me, some who was guys on sites. So who wouldn't directly work with me because I think that gives you a much better, it gives you a really broad idea. So it's, it's very different feedback from someone, for example, who was my office manager that would work directly with me or she was my subordinate, let's say. It would be very different than someone who's a site manager who really wouldn't have any direct contact with me, um, but getting his feedback because he will be looking at very differently through a different lens than say the office manager, but they're both extremely valuable. If anyway, sometimes it may be more valuable than the guy on site. Because I may think that I'm putting into these processes and policies and managing the company this way because I've got this global approach, which may fundamentally just not equate to what it needs to happen on the site. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. That's great. Keeps you, it keeps you um, across things without being too micro in how you take yeah, your data. exactly. Exactly. And, you know, um, I may be thinking I'm doing a wonderful job, but how would I know if, if there's a gentleman or female on site who... Yeah, you're thinking, actually, this is ridiculous. What you've got into place, you know, isn't feasible or it doesn't work or it's not whatever it may be. Um, so, yeah. And then, and then um, being able to make decisions or go back on decisions or change things um, without your ego, um, you know, getting in the way or allowing your ego to take a little bit of a hit. In order to yeah, look, it's funny. Ego is... I don't know. Look, I just, for me, this is, you know, me, for my personal thing, you know, there's a self-ego about how you feel, you know, I get all that. But I think ego can really be such a detrimental thing in businesses and the group talking businesses and in leadership, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think you have to take your ego out of it. You have to be humble to a degree and go, you know what? Okay, I'm the CEO, but be humble with that as well. Mm. Um, really realize that you're yes you're the captain of the ship but the ship ain't going nowhere if you ain't got no crew yeah i mean look at the end of the day <laughs> it's very true like people go oh well, you're the captain this is responsibility yes i get all that yes i've done i know all that but the honest reality you ain't going nowhere without no crew <laughs> yeah so, i'm here but the engine room is empty you can be as awesome as you think you are but if no one's doing nothing you're going nowhere <laughs> so so yeah. true isn't it and yeah. I'm looking, I, you know you know me I go be complicated and I like I like very simple things I work in I find for me that's how I operate so that's how I equate it ego is that you know is it doesn't help in that situation if you can be humble and then you're the captain that has everybody in your crew moving along um, yeah and as I said sometimes to me I'll be the loudest cheerleader at the back of the room and yeah. I won't always be the person that knows everything I will just make sure I get the people around me who know everything 
um, and give them the accolades and the, you know that they deserve. Um, because again, I can be the captain of the ship, but if I don't have those experts, I'm not going to go very far. Yeah, that's right. And then when you do get the ship moving, you have the people that'll tell you when there's an iceberg in front of you. And to correct, yeah, exactly. So it's all a good to say, well, I'm the ship. But you actually need the person to a keep the engines running, b keep the food. So you need everyone to be feeding the staff. You know, you need the person at the front to go. Ah, actually, hold on a minute. We need to turn right left. We've got something ahead. So again. You know, they're really, at the end of the day, the captain, to some degree, has such a smaller part to play than all the other, mm. I guess, pieces of the, you know, the pie. So it doesn't mean they're not fund fundamentally a very important one. And I think for me, particularly in, in Rodine, the, the fundamental part for me as a captain was the decision, was the person to go, this is what we're going to do. Mm. You know, you need someone to go, that all the crew can turn around and go, okay, is that where we're going? You go, yep, that's, you know, the decision making. And sometimes how you get there is not actually going to be decided by you. You just said, okay, yep, this is where we're going to head everybody. Yeah. And, oh, that's great. I love the metaphor as well. It makes so I'm a metaphor sense. girl. As I said, I'll keep it simple. <laughs> But I think I think there's something in that. I think um, I, I think if you can't simplify things, you lose people. And we talk about, you know, storytelling and narrative and all of that kind of thing. I think essentially it just comes back to just being simple. Yeah. Look, you know, I can only talk from my own personal experience. I I I find it easier to work when it's simple because life is complicated. We are complicated, and obviously now with COVID, it even makes it more complicated. I think sometimes we just need it simple. And it's a bit like parenting in to a degree, you know, keep it simple. Mm. Um, um, I just find it much easier to, to work in that. And, and particularly with Rodeam, when I had so many things happening at a given time, I had to simplify it. Because you, there's only so much bandwidth that you can have in a 24-hour day, and particularly obviously when you're working, there's only so much bandwidth. So I had to simplify and go, okay, yep, 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 let's just funnel it down and, you know, let's look at this. You know. mm. I love that. Um, and I love it when you're not being simple with your kids, just going back to parenting, you see their eyes glaze over. And my, my son actually says to me, mum, I stopped listening two minutes ago. Um, yeah. And so it, it's true. So I learned particularly with, uh, with my husband and my son, so maybe it's you, is um, if I had something to say or a point to make, and I definitely used it in Rodine, it was very short. Here's what we've got. Here's the issue. Here's what I'm thinking then let's go on from there. Um, if I came up with too much, like, you know, we like to chat on, if you come up with too much, you get lost and the messaging gets lost with what you're trying to say and things like that. So, mm. yeah, same with my son. It would be, this is an issue. This is what we need to do. This is what I would like. And off we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. But room for, room for questions. Um, yeah, but keep it simple. Love it. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Um, yeah. So, the topic of today um, is about paying it forward. And um, I think I, I love, I've always loved doing things for people without, in fact, saying that I've always is actually a lie. I haven't. <laughs> let's, let's be real here. I, um, I was working at ANZ and um, one of the things that they offered their employees was a, a day paid a year where you could take volunteer leave. And so prior to that, I actually had no, I, I probably didn't do a great deal for other people. Um, but I thought, you know, use this day as a bit of a day to get out of the office and get out and a bit of adventure. So didn't think too much about it. Um, and each year I would take my volunteer leave and each year I would do it. I would find 
just a little bit more value in doing it for, for myself in, I would get this little, I guess, hit of dopamine. Yeah. It feels good. It feels good. It feels so good. Um, And now I'm addicted to it and I love the concept. (laughs) But what are your thoughts around doing things for other people? Um, Oh, look, I'm a massive advocate. I grew up in in a household, which was my mother always brought me up, you know, it's responsibility of people that have to look after people have not. But I'll challenge you a little bit too when you sort of say you didn't do much. It doesn't have to be profound things. It, it could be, you know, in the everyday, it might be just smiling at someone because it doesn't have to be monetary and it doesn't always have to be a lot, you know, chunk of time. It could be smiling at someone, acknowledge them. It could be helping someone put their shopping, you know, in the car. I think it's a mindset and an awareness. Mm. Um, so, you know, when you sort of say you didn't do much, you know, I, I reckon if you look through your lifetime, you probably have and you haven't realised what you're doing is to some degree serving others. You know, you are, you're doing a little bit, you've been aware of it. The difference is when you sort of get into the workplace, it's a chunk of time, it could be a chunk of money. And then there's, you know, the mentor and the pay it forward sort of mentality, but you know, that's probably always been there. So I I definitely grew up in in a household, which was, you know, you you definitely paid it forward. Um, And I also look at it too, that I've been, you don't get where you are in your lifetime by yourself. It's not like you're just on this road and you've sort of just travelled along. You've always had people along the way. So, and it's my personal belief, it's a responsibility that you also share what you've done and what you've had and who you know along the way. And my theory, now that I've reached the age of middle age 50, (laughs) (laughs) but, you know, my my theory has always been, and, you know, I'm going to swear here, is, is share the shit out of it. Because when I go, and whenever that may be, in my grey matter, everybody that I've come across, everything, skill, everything that I've learned, know, seen, everything goes with me to the grave. Now, what value is that for anybody? Um, and people undervalue what it is. So everything you've learned and people you've come across and experiences that you've had and connections you've got is so valuable. That's your pot of gold. This is a continuation of your pot of gold. You know, share it. So I had this you know, my um, mindset is you share the shit out of it. It's your responsibility to share it. And that could be time. It could be money. It could be expertise. It could be, doesn't really matter. It's a mindset, whatever it is you feel you can share. So I'm very, yeah, I feel very strongly about that. And as you said, you know, what, if, what you get in return, that feeling that you get is so, yeah, it feels fantastic. You will get more in return than you probably will ever give in some, in some way because um, it feeds your soul. And it's free. Exactly. Exactly. You know, um, and it's part of being, you know, what I think is part of being human is, is actually looking after other people. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're religious or not religious. It's actually looking after each other. Um, and yeah, you should share it. Do you think that um, we, do you think the leadership space, and when I talk leadership, I mean, you know, pe- managers, so people leaders, um, do you think that they need to share more with other leaders to change the change the leadership playground? Uh, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I think, I yes. To short answer is yes. I, I think as a as a leader, it's our responsibility, and we should share more. Um, I think sometimes people don't know what they're thinking they should share or how to share. Um, but in short answer to that is yes. I think. I think leaders should share more. And, and particularly more around the, this is what I did that wasn't great. And this is, 
you know, I think leadership can be so lonely sometimes. And you, you know, when you first move into that kind of role, you're looking around at everyone else and you're thinking, gosh, I've, I've got to, I've got to keep up or I'm going to get moved out and yeah, so much pressure. Yep, definitely. And I, you know, the thing about the leadership, as you're saying is, um, particularly when you're a CEO, when you're a female CEO of a construction company, there's not many people, there's, I don't even know many other females that were in my role. Um, so there's, yeah, it would have been lovely to have had someone that I could have shared, I guess, those experiences, you know, in particularly in construction, but there are still other people that I could have, you know, had leadership from, uh, sorry, um, sharing their leadership, I guess, experiences. And look, we learn, we learn from people's stories. I mean, you learn from your parents from the stories that they may tell you as well. And you do learn from the stories, but you actually want to learn about the things that didn't go well. Um, you want to learn about, okay, well, if I came across this, what did you do? And how did you get across, you know, come across it? And, and, you know, what was the things that actually worked really, really well? Mm. And that's sharing, you know, that's sharing all your knowledge and experience. You know, and, and a career is, is what I consider is a job journey. It's basically a journey throughout your lifetime when you're going to do a multitude of jobs all along those ways. You're going to learn a whole lot of experience. You're going to meet a whole lot of people. You're going to have some expertise. You're going to have a lot of road bumps that you will have learned, okay, that is not the way to do it. Now, you're not telling someone don't do that. You can say, look, this is what happened to me. Um, and, you know, imagine how much richer it would all be. Like I, I look at it as pay it forward is, you know, sort of your network trees, I guess, to some degree, but also your experience trees. If everybody shared it and connected it, Instead of being separate little um, trees, it would be a very thick forest, and you know we'd be much well-rounded, well-rounded, happier uh, individuals in the workforce. Yeah, I, th I think you know I think about my own um, journey in the early stages. I th the failures that I went through, I thought were unique to me, and that I was I was failing, that I wasn't cut out for it. And you know, the more people that I talk to. Um, oh. like, you know, where did your leadership journey start? And every single person is like, I stumbled, <laughs> I stumbled oh, a lot. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's the thing is true about this being authentic. You've got to show that you fuck up and, you know, royally, like, <laughs> not just like a little bit royally, we, you know, I call it the splat. You've got to, you've got to show that you've splatted beautifully because otherwise it's not really attainable for people to go, okay, well, you look this way, you, you know, you, everything looks perfect. Well, actually, that's a whole lot of bollocks. Because most people, you like, even if you talk to business people, common thing you talk about is cash flow. It's a freaking nightmare, you know? Mm. Or, you know, your P&Ls or you know, HR, all that sort of stuff. There is ongoing issues. Um, and particularly as a leader, you're, there are ongoing things that you're going to be having or experiencing um, that you're not alone. You know, that, that, and the thing is, as a leader, you're not, you don't need to, you're not supposed to know everything. Yeah. no one knows everybody everything um so as a leader you need to also know that yeah um there are a lot of there are a lot of other people that are in the same boat as you and sometimes you actually need to know okay so i'm not alone here yeah. people and just because you're going through this hurdle or whatever it may be doesn't mean you're not a good leader mm. anything yeah. that you're seeking out and you're talking to others shows that you're actually a good leader an exceptional leader it's the ones that just keep keep going ahead. No, no, no. And like the Titanic thing and you sink. You know what I mean? So, yeah. 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 So it's, it's looking at, um, you know, where, where do things go wrong, being able to reflect on it, but then, and taking and accepting, you know, this is, this is what I can own and, and, um, and then permission to leave that behind and just yeah. take the lessons forward. And, you know, good leaders, one that also asks for help. Yeah. 
you know, um, when things aren't going well or you're stuck or you're at a roadblock or whatever it may be, a good leader is actually going, okay, crew, I don't know, you know, I'm stuck here. I need help. Now that mm. could be you seek it out from other leaders. You could be other business people or maybe be your own team. I've done that. So go okay, guys, I'm stuck because the solution and the answer may actually be within your own team. You just haven't asked the question. Do you think you have to be careful about who you seek support from? I mean, I, I remember, I remember having a leader and I love this leader. I thought they were amazing. Um, really respected them, looked up to them and went to them and said, I'm struggling. And they said to me, that's fine. If you can't do it, we'll get someone else to. (laughs) (laughs) And I, and I learned to shut up and not, not go to that leader with my problems. Yeah. um, In that incident, um, I would have just gone to somebody else. So I guess the short answer is a bit like every, everything else. Sometimes you're going to come across an A plus a person. Sometimes you're not. So my answer to that is, I think, yes, you know, I guess to a degree, do you pick who you would go to? Um, maybe so. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be someone that you've already got a really good uh, relationship, working relationship with that person already. It could be within your division. It may not be with your own division. Um, I'm assuming that if you're going to be going to someone to ask for help, you've had an, you know, an, a working or long working, or not long, but a working relationship with this person. But that one sounds like a bit of a... A bad luck one. But um, my experiences when I've gone to people to ask for help, it's generally because I felt in alignment with them. Yeah. So I wouldn't go, I wouldn't have gone to, and I still wouldn't go to someone who I don't feel I have an alignment or a somewhat of a relationship with them beforehand um, because I am going to be saying, look, I'm stuck, I, you know, I need some help here. I, I would have some of a relationship because I would know what their area of expertise may be or I know that they would come with um, some great advice. Um, so. Yeah, and you and that you're going to them with a problem that needs solving, not just a problem you want to complain about. Yeah, yeah, and look, you know, yeah, you can have multiple people that you go to. I've got some people that I go to, and you know, going to be honest, it's just a whinge session, but it feels great. All yeah. I want, I don't want answers from you. I just want to go. This is all fucked. I'm not, I'm not enjoying this at all. I'm really hating it. I don't want you to solve it. I don't want you to give me any suggestions. I just want to offload. Then there'll be others that I will go to that I know come with such great mindset that I know that they'll be able to give me some really good advice um, or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so, yeah, I guess I sort of pick my audiences where they go. Mm. I've got some people that I go to that will give me both. I can go there and go, this is fucked. I'm not enjoying it. This is really hard work. I'm stuck or whatever it is. They will go, have a glass of gin and tonic. <laughs> let's just chat for a while and then they'll work with me and go, okay, well, let's see what we can find out some solutions. So, yeah. Great. Sort of, uh, I've got a multiple of different people um, and, and groups actually that I, that I can go to. And not um, what I like about that is that you're not isolating yourself. I think that we can, we can isolate ourselves unintentionally because we, either we feel like we're in competition with other leaders or that we've got to be better or the ego sort of comes into it. Um, yep. And then, and then we wait until we're desperate for help before we even reach out to anyone. It's probably too late. We need to have those connections. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I think, you know, we're social beings. I mean, humans, we're social. And again, you know, in your workplace, you don't do anything solo there's a group of other people that do it. So I look at the same sort of thing in regards to what around me, I have multiple people in group around me. Um, 
I think that's beneficial. And I think it makes me more well-rounded and well-grounded because sometimes I'll go there and say, oh my gosh, this is so hard. And they'll actually say, are you for real? Like, have a good look at this. <laughs> and they'll put you in their box. You know, sometimes you actually need someone to say, okay, you're getting a bit ahead of yourself. You know, have a good look at this. This is not really as, as big a problem as you're thinking it is. Mm. Um, get a grip, basically. Mm. <laughs> so sometimes you need people who are going to be a little bit confrontational and call you out. Oh, okay. yes. There's nothing better than say, than someone saying, Shelley, you realise you're part of the problem. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, well, hold on a minute. Yeah, the reason you're not getting the best out of the team because the a common denominator is not the team, it's you. <laughs> so yeah. what are you doing wrong? You know, yeah. And, and while that stings a little bit, it also... Um, becomes a bit, a bit empowering because you can go well if it's me i can i can probably do something with that i can change that yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. um so have you ever have you ever noticed the the far reaching effects of you know you've had a conversation with someone and that's led them to have a conversation with someone else and that you've changed lives you know t seven to ten steps removed because i'm sure that's happened I, uh, multiple times and on different, different areas, one that sort of sticks my mind, many years ago, I was asked, I was literally last minute filling, um, as it was a CEO, it was a panel, there were three of us, um, and I got the phone call the night before, I said, look, you know, the other CEOs can't make it, can you quickly fill in? I said, yep, yep, sure, that's fine. So I was up on stage, um, I hadn't really prepared, and it was sort of the same sort of thing about, you know, CEOs and challenges and things like that. And there was probably about maybe 1,500 people in the audience. I, I don't really know. Again, it was just sort of a last-minute thing. And then about a year later, I go to an event and I'm walking around and there's a, a stall. Uh, a young girl had opened a stall, which was her new business. And she came up to me and she said, excuse me, <laughs> said, were you talking last year um, about CEOs? And I said, oh, yeah. And she said, I listened to what you said. She said, and from that, she said, I got so inspired, she started her business. So, you know, that's a very unusual one where it's, I, I hadn't obviously had any contact with this young lady, but it was obviously profound enough, whatever it was that I said. And I think she said it was basically, um, someone had asked me, well, when's the time? I said, the time is, is now. Like, there's never a right time when I open a business, you either give it a go, you don't, you either jump or you don't. Um, and so she said, I jumped. So that was one of those ones that went, wow. And my husband looked at me like, really? Like, you? <laughs> And then, year, and then another year later, I went to a local market and she had just opened another stall there and she just about burst into tears and she said, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're here. And I was like, oh yeah, I was just happy to walk me past. And she said, look, would you mind if I have a photograph um, with you? And her, her partner was there. So I guess in the short thing is, even though you may think that what you say or do is, is not that profound yet, that given time, you never, ever know really what will happen from there. Um, and I, it was very humbling to actually have had that experience but to also realize that that little tidbit of experience that i had which was you either make a decision jump or don't was enough for someone to go i'm going to go with this and her mm. life is now going down a certain path so yeah that was one of those sliding door moments it was it was quite bizarre <laughs> i have to say it was very bizarre. But it was wonderful i'm so excited for her because she's now got a business and she's loving what she's doing and yeah you just never know what you're going to say or what it is mm. and that's where that share it for it is because whatever it is that you have from that experience it doesn't really matter 
it's enough that makes, has a profound impact on someone. Mm, it's so true. There's a, there's a TED talk that's called, oh, I don't know what it's called actually, but everyone just refers to it as the lollipop moment. And, um, and it's this guy who was giving lollipops out at a university campus and he gave a lollipop to a girl that changed her life. Um, yeah, one, one lollipop and a, and a cute little comment that he made to her. Um, and she came back and um, I think caught up with him maybe five, ten years later and said, you know, it was you. You were the one yeah. that... that Came to the course you really don't know do you oh and it's so wonderful that's why they share the shit out of it that's why the pay it forward so important because all all this is said all the things that you know experience connections all that sort of stuff can have profound impacts on people that you know head them in certain directions whether it be career personal doesn't really matter you know it does have such positive profound impacts for them so that's why i feel it's a responsibility to share what you have because it is of value and the reason it's of value is you know it's because it's you. It's all the things that you've experienced that is mm. different um, that you can pass on to others. Now, whether they choose to take it or not, it's up to them. But, mm. you know, you just never know. So that was one of those moments I'm like, wow, that was a bit humbling. So I think, I think one of the important things to note here is um, share the shit out of doesn't mean give advice to everyone and particularly not solicited advice. So can you share the difference between share the shit out of and give advice? <laughs> so, so the way I look at it is, so... To me, it's a bit like with my kids, right? So <laughs> when I say that I'm going to um, give them advice, they actually say, say mum, you're giving us unsolicited opinion. <laughs> no. So share the shit out of it is what I call the give and dumb. <laughs> Again, I like to make it simple, which is I'm going to tell you, you're going to ask me a whole lot of questions, I'm going to give you everything that I know and people I know, and then I'm going to dump it, and then I'm going to expect nothing in return, and it's yours to go with as you see fit. That's where I see share the shit out of it than advice. Advice is I'm going to give you my answer. I'm going to give you an opinion that I think you should go this certain way. I'm going to you know, advise you to go down a certain path. All I'm going to do with share the shit of it is basically say, this is what I went through. This is my experiences. These are the people I can connect you with or these are the people I can do introductions from here on in. It's yours to go with now. So that's how I sort of distinguish the difference. Perfect. And um, do you ask? permission before you do that or with what with with either whether you whether you share or or give opinion do you do you need to get that consent from the um so some of the people that i mean to particularly mentoring they will actually say to me what's your thoughts like what's your opinion then yes i will so share this shit often can be um Oh, look, so for example, I, I've got this one lady um, and she was asking me about some financial um, questions in regards to her business. Um, and so instead of me telling her what to do, all I did was gave her my experiences that I had had with Rodine. And then from there, she can make a call that she thought she might need to do. So I really just share my experience, but I'm not going to tell her, well, you need to be doing this and this, unless she says to me, look, what's your opinion I put into place this, this, and this for our cash flow. And then I could give her an opinion on it from there. Share this shit out of is really just sharing your experiences and, and sharing your connections and sharing your knowledge. And so it's slightly different. With permission to do absolutely nothing with any of it, just yep. then... Yep. It's up to them. It's up to them if they want to do something with it. It's up with the connections. It's you know again. I obviously I, I make sure that the person I'm introducing to them is happy with it. And again, that's with here you go and no return. Yeah. So the whole point about 
what I consider share this shit, there's got to be no return back for you. You are truly sharing it just to share it. No gain, no benefit. Yeah. Just here it is. And then off they go. Except for that little endorphin hit. That yeah. Yeah. You definitely feel. Yeah, it does. It does make you feel good, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah you, let's be honest. It does actually make you feel. The trick is you can't, <laughs> you can't get addicted to it. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me why, because I'm I'm thinking that you can get addicted to it, and it's a perfectly healthy addiction. No, I'm teasing, cause yeah, yeah. The thing is, when when you're doing it because you're wanting more in return, then then it's not you know. Yes. For me, it's when you're when you're doing it for the right reasons. I guess is, is probably. Although, uh, now, now, Look, I, I do I do share this shit out, and I do a lot of other things. Um, and I do it uh, anonymously, mm. and I do it on the side. I don't do it for any accolade. I do it because I genuinely feel that there's something that I can offer there, and that's it. I don't I don't want accolades. I don't I don't need it. Um, mm. yeah, but I just yeah. feel that there's something of value that I could give somebody, then I'll give it to them. I do. I'm, I'm just thinking about when whether whether there is a a downside to paying it forward um, too much, and it probably is when you're doing it instead of running your own business. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it depends on what you're paying forward because paying forward isn't monetary. You don't have to pay forward by money. So I guess if you're getting the, the, the balance and either whether it's time or money is a little bit of security, then yeah, maybe so. Um, but pay it forward, as I said, doesn't have to be money. Um, it can be your time. It can be your expertise. Um, mm. There's a multitude of things of paying for. I, I look at paying it forward as a mindset. Mm. Is Are you aware of others around you? And if you are, is there anything that you can offer with no return back to you, that is just the betterment for them. I love that. That's awesome. Mm. Um, so I'm thinking about this morning. So far, I've paid it forward through my running. I said good morning to every single person that I ran past. Um, and you know what? They've gone, oh, what a nice person, you know, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> with a beaming smile. I also kept my dog away from people. I think that's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I made you say this community minded, but hey, you can take it in. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the thing is though here's the here's the thing you were aware so when you were running you were aware of those people you actually mm. made an effort to say hey look i see you and you know smile again to me it, it's an awareness to what degree people can pay it forward is multitude like you know if you it's up to people's individuals you know how much they want to pay and how they want to pay it forward i just look at it as an awareness to make the betterment of those around you mm. um and it can be profound you know large large ways or it can be considered small but i think all of them are still going to be profound so good i think you know if, if even if you don't have time i think for um for leaders that are really really busy and they're feeling a little bit compromised and they're feeling a little bit um, exhausted I honestly think that one of the ways to get energy back is to do things something for someone else energy perpetuates energy positive energy perpetuates positive energy as you said you get a real you know you do feel good about helping someone so if you're a CEO or you're a manager in a really busy area it could be something very small that you might walk past you know one of your team members and have a quick chat to them and, and you know something crops up whatever it doesn't really matter and I agree with you, you know, it does, it, it keeps you energised, it energises your team mm. um, and it makes you feel good. And, and more importantly, well, for me, I feel anyway, it actually feeds your soul. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. So I've got one, um, one final question for you and it's, you'll love this one because it is metaphor based and it's something that I ask um, everyone at the end of the podcast. And that is, if leadership was a dish or a food, what would it be? Oh, that's a good one. 
a dish or a food, what would it be? Um, chocolate bullets. <laughs> That's awesome. Tell us what, how, why? Well, see, here's the thing with, so with chocolate bullets. <laughs> um, by the way, listeners, this is her favorite sweet. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it? exactly. <laughs> well, see, chocolate bullets, there's many ways to consume it. So you can either you can either start a bit like popcorn, which I generally do, like you start one at a time, but then you grab a whole lot. So I sort of look at leadership, okay, you might start off with a few little things and then when you get better at it and you're able to manage your jaw muscles, <laughs> you, can grab, you can grab a whole lot. But here's a kicker, a bit like an ego, if it gets out of whack. If you go too much, too fast, like I had to, I had to go on anti-inflammatories because my jaw got And there's what you know, you can either chew them or you know, you can either suck all the chocolate off, and then you've got another thing underneath. So there's layers in it. So you've got the chocolate, then you've got the licorice underneath. So, mm. <laughs> yeah, chocolate bullets. And they're, they're chocolate bullets, they're, they're quite susceptible to their environment, aren't they? You, you put them in the fridge, and good luck trying to chew through one of those, let alone a whole handful. Uh, but if Maybe they're, <laughs> but if you kept them, you know, in a hot car, um, and then tried to consume them as well you yeah so correct yeah got to have them in the right environment for it to work perfectly yep you've got as i said there's different layers to it mm. so you know there's the chocolate part which sort of can either be hard or soft and slowly melt and then you've got the actual licorice underneath which is actually the sweet spot we would, i would call the sweet spot <laughs> in a chocolate bullet um and again you can start off with one you can have multiple and then you can also have different you can have dark chocolate you can have milk chocolate you can have white chocolate oh and there's plenty Okay, so tell me just finally um, your thoughts on raspberry. I love them. Bullets. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yep. Oh, so as long as it as long as it's a bullet, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was called bullet. <laughs> Back it. That's it. You're sold. <laughs> yep. You can have white chocolate, dark chocolate, milk chocolate. I'm not fast. Love it. I, like the bullet side of things. <laughs> I love it. That's the best metaphor. Thank you so much. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for um, joining us and sharing your thoughts on leadership and authenticity and, and paying it forward and all of the, all of the amazing things that I think you bring to leadership. I think if we were all leaders like you, I, I definitely think the workplace would be um, <laughs> B plus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh well, thank you that's that's very very funny uh, but, yeah, because you know as humans we can't be a's no you know we can't be a's all the time as humans yeah. we're not always going to be an f either um if we can kind of be b pluses average out over a year i think we're doing okay i love it and have a little bit of fun and adventure along the way oh you've got to have fun you've got to have lots of laughs and fun my my one of my core things is going to be fun yeah absolutely well thank you again um if anyone wants to connect with you are they allowed to do that through linkedin for sure <laughs> <laughs> um, and i'll put a link in the um comments but thanks everyone again for listening and we will um we will be with you uh in the next series um because this uh oh no we've got one more actually sorry we've got one more and then it'll be um the next series of the dynamic leader podcast so thank you everyone for listening Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Dynamic Leader Podcast. I hope you found some value in it. My biggest mantra in life is to pay it forward. As a leader, you have your own unique experience and this could make a huge difference to someone else. 
So I encourage you to tell your leadership story, your failures and your successes, along with what you've learned along the way. Let's make the leadership playground safe enough for leaders to fall and get back up again. By the way, if you have a leadership story that is worth telling, I'd love to hear from you and even have you on one of my podcasts. So drop me a note and let's have a conversation. Thanks so much for listening.